Welcome to another episode of the Peacock's Feet Literary Podcast. So before we get started, I just want to remind everyone, make sure you're following Peacock's Feet on Instagram because we're still accepting applications for the fall 2021, spring 2022 academic year. You can just follow that link in our bio, so that'll be my little self-promo for the beginning. We're just going to go through and introduce ourselves because we have some very special guests today. So my name is Rosalie Bodkin. I am the social media chair for the Peacock's Feet, and I'm a junior here at Georgia College. So the rest of the Peacock's Feet, y'all want to introduce yourself before we get to our guests? Hi, I'm Ellen Udall. I am a nonfiction uh, chair editor for the, not chair, editor for the Peacock's Feet, and I am also a junior. Hi, I'm Natalie Miller, and I'm the head nonfiction editor for the Peacock's Feet, and I am a senior. All right, so with us today, we have the Shakespeare Circle, which we're very excited to have. So if y'all want to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your club and who you are, what you do. I am Jennifer Flaherty, and I'm a professor here at Georgia College. I teach all of the Shakespeare classes. And this club started eight years ago when some students approached me about starting up a club focused on Shakespeare. They decided they wanted to read Shakespeare's plays out loud. Um, but now it is under wonderful new management. Um, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, um, I'm Signa Madsen. I'm a junior. Uh, I'm an English major. And uh, I am the president of the club. Uh, this semester, we are mainly on Zoom because we are in a pandemic and we love safety. Uh, normally, we would table read the plays and have pizza and have a good time. Uh, this semester, it's bring your own pizza or your other food options. Uh, so we meet weekly on Zoom or WebEx and read the plays. It's a lot of fun. And I'm Jillian Trushan. I'm a music therapy major, completely unrelated to all of your majors but I'm also vice president of Shakespeare Circle. Awesome, yeah. So if people wanted to know a little bit more about you and your club, where would they find you and be able to get that information about when y'all meet? Well, the best way to reach us is probably at our email, which is gcshakespeareancircle at gmail.com. Um, and we can add you to an email list and we'll email you the meeting times and how to get your characters ready for the next meeting. Um, we also have started an Instagram, which I think is j GC Shakespearean Circle. Um, and those are our two main ways to reach us. Awesome. Yeah, I'm just pulling up y'all's Instagram. So just a reminder, Peacock's Feet Instagram is GC Peacock's Feet and y'all's is gcsu.shakespearean.circle. So if anyone's listening and wants to specifically look at Instagram, because I know that's typically where I'm going to go for information, that's where you can find it. But now we're going to really get into why we're here today. So obviously Shakespeare was many years ago. It's not something that's right now. So there have been a lot of adaptations over the years and literary adaptations are something really special and I know I love as well as all of you. So we're just going to kind of go around and start off with maybe talking about some of our favorite adaptations, Shakespearean or otherwise. If y'all want, I can start us off. Um, I love any really Jane Austen adaptation. I'm very partial to the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Ellen has actually gotten me a pair of earrings with Mr. Darcy on them before. Um, I love the 2020 Emma, and I have always loved She's the Man, which I didn't realize until I was taking Shakespeare with Dr. Flaherty. That is a Twelfth Night adaptation. It's become one of my favorite plays, and so it's one of my favorite adaptations to go back to because you got to love those early 2000s adaptations. I also love a good Jane Austen adaptation. 2005 Pride and Prejudice is so aesthetically pleasing. 
And really for me, I think aesthetics ends up being a lot of it. Like if you can tell a good story and you can make like beautiful costumes and beautiful cinematography, like that just seals the deal. Like that's just the icing on the cake. So that's my opinion on that. Still on the Jane Austen train, I really like uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, um, which is an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Um, and my favorite one of the, my favorite ad adaptation of Pride and Prejudice is the Colin Firth one. And both of these, the Bridget Jones Diary and this one, both have Colin Firth. So we find commonalities. Well, since there's so much Jane Austen love, I figure I should mention that in the fall, I am teaching my Jane Austen on film class again and would love to have anybody who's interested in learning about Jane Austen film adaptations join. Uh, but just to bring things back to Shakespeare, <laughs> Uh, I, I really love Shakespeare adaptation. It's, it's my main area of study within Shakespeare studies is that that's, that's what I do most of my publications on. And I work that into all of my teaching and I'm really excited every time we do adaptations within Shakespeare circle. Like next week we are finishing out Much Ado About Nothing and I'm going to show some clips of some of my favorite Much Ado About Nothing performances, uh, which includes the Kenneth Branagh version which is always light and fluffy and fun. Um, and the Joss Whedon version, which uh, is a little bit more twisted, but also a ton of fun. And um, there's a wonderful version that stars David Tennant and Catherine Tate that is just extraordinary. And I'm going to see what I can find from that that's available online. The whole thing was up on YouTube last summer, but now it's not. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to find at least a little part of that to share. Now, one of Shakespeare's circle's favorite adaptations, because sometimes when we finish reading the plays and we still have a couple of meetings left at the end of the semester, people decide to watch movies. The movie we have watched the most uh, is Julie Taymor's Titus, based on Titus Andronicus, which is a stunning adaptation. Not for the faint of heart, there's a lot of violence in it, and it's a very disturbing play, which has been turned into a disturbing film, but it's so beautifully done, so well acted, so well directed, such creative use of setting, use of special effects that students just ask to see it again and again. I'd probably say on the note of adaptations, I like adaptations when they're kind of removed from the like original environment of the material. So like a teen movie where it's a Shakespeare adaptation is always fun uh, because I think you can, if you remove the material, you kind of have like a lot of different nuances that you can kind of a highlight within the text. So I do love a good 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think 10 Things I Hate About You is probably my favorite, but I also uh, really enjoyed um, the Macbeth that has like Patrick Stewart that um, we watched some clips in Dr. Flaherty's class. I thought that was really, really cool. The way that they have it in this sort of like medical, like World War II kind of vibe. Um, and I also, uh, speaking of David Tennant, um, his Hamlet, I really love um, on the BBC. It's one of my favorites. Signa, I'm glad you mentioned like the teen 
movies with Shakespearean adaptations. I do also love 10 Things I Hate About You. I mean, Heath Ledger just singing up and down a giant stadium never fails to simultaneously stress me out and bring me joy because uh, I'm afraid he's just going to fall and tumble. Um, but I think there's so much value in the rise of adaptations that came about in like the 90s, early 2000s of making so many teen versions. I mean, the actress in 10 Things I Hate About You, I think was in so many of them because she was also in the Othello adaptation O. And I just think there's something really amazing and powerful behind being able to transport it and relate it to that high school teen audience. And I kind of wanted to dive into that more and the value you can get out of that and altering it just enough so that younger people can relate to it and seeing those messages continue and last throughout time. And so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit and get y'all's thoughts. Well, it's almost as though you've deliberately set these questions up to advertise my classes next year, because I am teaching my Shakespeare and the Teenage Girl class again in the spring of next year. So that it really looks at how Shakespeare has been used to um, target teen girls as audience members, but also to address and speak to the problems faced by teen girls. And so 10 Things I Hate About You is a clear example of that, that it uses Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew as a way of addressing the different ways that young women are classified, um, categorized, and the ways that they can challenge that and break those boundaries and stand up for themselves and find their place in the world. And that's something that I always appreciate when I see Shakespeare used in ways like that. I think it's also worth mentioning, you can definitely do it wrong and like kind of like detract from the original message. Like I think, I can think of some adaptations I've seen advertisements for and then I've read reviews of where they're like, this is not good. Like apparently they did like a Wuthering Heights adaptation where it's Wuthering High School. Uh, and it's apparently awful uh, according to, it's like a lifetime movie. And it kind of takes away from some of like the meanings and they're just trying to make it very like salacious and like high schooly. Yeah, I think it's also quite fun when they go to the extreme of putting them outside of their traditional adaptations. Like so many movies are like, oh wait, that has some themes and adaptations. I mean, I know my brain always goes back to The Lion King where you don't even think about it being relational to Hamlet when you're watching it as a child. So I just think it's interesting the links you can go to kind of push and stretch and kind of make these things malleable to adapt to what message you're trying to send. I think there's um, also, if we want to get into it, a value of being able to add inclusivity in some of these modern adaptations and considering things from a more modern perspective. So do y'all have any thoughts about some of those adaptations that might have done that or just some of the values that can be brought from doing that in adaptations, whether it is Shakespearean or otherwise? A really good adaptation that, of Shakespeare that I really like is West Side Story. Um, and just as a musical and as a movie, all of it um, really encapsulates the idea of being an immigrant in America. And it takes the like themes of young love and um, independence in Romeo and Juliet and transfers that into um, like immigrant families and these young children living on the streets of New York just trying to survive. And it's really, really well done. Um, I did a paper on it once, very fun, but yeah. Another thing to keep in mind is that there are a lot of Shakespeare web series out there now that have been created uh, by young people around the world in Australia, in New Zealand, Canada, the United States to take stories and adapt them and update them 
to make them more inclusive, but also to make them speak to the, the needs of young people today. And so one that I love to teach in the Jane Austen class is the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, because I think that that is just an extraordinarily good adaptation. Uh, but in terms of Shakespeare, one that I really like is um, 12th grade or whatever, um, which is of course an adaptation of Twelfth Night. And that one looks at all kinds of issues, especially involving gender and sexuality, and really updates and transforms Twelfth Night to speak to those issues while also being a really entertaining series. Yeah, I always think it's fun to consider these things from a modern perspective, like when we were doing projects in Shakespeare class, I know a lot of us adapted things to modern times, like someone wrote a modern song of Romeo and Juliet, like if they had social media, if they had these YouTube series. So I really love being able to consider them from that perspective and taking those themes. Along those same lines, um, I just really wanted to get into the value of adaptations in a general sense and being able to just completely or continue to rework, rewrite these versions of Shakespeare as we go along. Because like you were saying, Natalie, West Side Story, we're even getting another version of West Side Story coming out soon. And what this need to continue to create and continue to malleate these things, like what it says about these lasting themes and how they're important to us. I think one of the best things about adaptation is because there's so many things that come up within history that like the original author did not know about or would not think about, but the stories can be applicable to. So like, I know if like, if you're having a conversation about like the Tempest, you can do a lot with like post-colonial theory with it, but Shakespeare was probably not thinking about like colonialism when he was writing it. He was like, oh my God. So we can kind of get a lot of like messages that are very relevant to our times and like our ideas and kind of delineate different like messages and nuances within the text by adapting them. So we're kind of thinking of new ways of how these apply to different stages of life. That's something that I always like to teach in my classes, that essentially Shakespeare is a tool that can be used for different purposes in different settings, in different times, to address the issues of that particular cultural moment. And so if someone wants to use literature to make some kind of a statement through adaptation, Shakespeare works beautifully for that because the texts themselves are very flexible. You have a lot of different plot lines, characters, uh, stories that can be transformed and used to address contemporary issues. And as um, some of you have said, you all did that yourselves in my Shakespeare class. <laughs> and, um, well, most of you did that um, yourselves in my Shakespeare class, using Shakespeare to speak to your own moments, your own times. And that's something I love to see. Also on that, like, I think if we're talking about this too, like there's different taboos with different cultures. So like you can make different statements on like how society progresses. So you can have like explicitly more queer things in different adaptations as it's become a less taboo in like the zeitgeist. So you can like make Twelfth Night more explicitly queer if you want to than like in Shakespeare where it's a little bit less, uh, it's there, but it's not like, again, explicit. It's more implicit. I think it's also fascinating how every single director and like cast that looks at Shakespeare can glean something different from it. And that's why we'll probably never run out of potentials for adaptations because every single one will be different and will speak to a different issue and will appeal to a different audience. And then I think I, you're absolutely right that even um, even when I've seen 
the same production 15 years apart in one case at the, at the globe they did this they did the production and they revived it several years later it was a different time it spoke in different ways they they cast a few of the actors in in different roles and it was amazing how differently it hit me seeing it 15 years later i was also going to say adaptations make things more approachable i think certain like literature things can seem a little bit pretentious and a little bit daunting but when there's like a movie of them or a tv show or a web series uh, the audience is able to get more comfortable with them and kind of realize that like literature is something that they can like have a dialogue with so like if you read a book it isn't just going to be kind of like this <clears throat> almighty kind of uh wonderful thing like it's like something that you can kind of dissect and be like oh this is relatable to me it's not something that was just written in the 1600s uh that was happening you know and i think that also speaks to one of the things that i love about shakespeare circle is that as we are reading the plays, uh, I, I think sometimes people can hear, oh, we sit around and we read Shakespeare plays out loud and think that that sounds intimidating, that it might be difficult to read that language right off the bat, especially with, with plays that you might be unfamiliar with, because a lot of the times we choose the weird ones that people aren't familiar with because we think that's fun. Um, but really, I can't count how many times we've had someone read a line and people immediately understand and laugh at it because it's immediately funny. It doesn't need an explanation. It's clear what was going on with that particular line. And so it's really a very safe environment to practice your cold reading skills if you're an actor, um, to brush up on your Shakespeare if you're interested in learning more about Shakespeare, but also just to, to gather with people and have fun in an evening. And the language is incredibly accessible that even for first-time readers, because I've seen a lot of first-time readers with these texts and no one walks out at the end of a meeting going, I don't know what happened there people know it's it's pretty clear well also we joke a lot about some of the things that happen in the plays like we've read uh antony and cleopatra last year and we just made fun of antony and cleopatra a lot like there's a scene where they keep on finding dead bodies and everyone's like oh they're alive and they're like do you not know what dead bodies look like because then they see someone who's clearly alive and they're like oh she's dead and it's like my guys <laughs> figure this out uh and then just people like there's a lot of very silly things that happen in the plays and when you read them, you can kind of break them down and like laugh about them and joke about them with the group. It's a lot of fun. The drunk on a boat scene. They all just get drunk on a boat and they're like, ooh, should we murder someone? Should we murder everyone? And then they're just drunk on a boat. It's wild. Yeah, I think that plays a lot into, like y'all were saying, the accessibility of it is when you're able to say it out loud and interact with other people. That's kind of the whole premise of what it was meant to be. And so you get to understand it a little better. I know, Ellen, you're a theater minor. You have some exposure to, you know, performing these things and the idea of accessibility. So do you want to kind of go into that a little bit more from that perspective? Sure. Um, I know recently I had like conversations in my theater class about Shakespeare and how in the theater realm like acting it's sort of seen as like pretentious and elitist because people think that because they can perform and read Shakespeare that they think that they're better than other actors which is like sometimes like my frustration with Shakespeare but then I also have to like recognize that with like adaptations you can do so much um and actually you know have inclusion and diversity which um, when you think about how Shakespeare was performed originally, 
it wasn't as, um, you know, inclusive as you'd want it to be, you know, women couldn't really perform, um, like people of color weren't um, performing. Um, so that's why I think doing different adaptations and especially having adaptations on film that aren't, you know, as, that are like stepped away from like the source material, you can really appreciate Shakespeare. Um, and with performing Shakespeare, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, at first you kind of don't really understand what you're saying, but like once you get into the rhythm with other actors, you really know what you're saying. And that's actually another thing I like about Shakespeare Circle. And I kind of wish we'd get more students from the theater department involved in the club because really I think a lot of times theater students can initially be intimidated by Shakespeare or there's this idea that Shakespearean acting is one type of acting and I'm interested in this other type of acting. But what I've seen over and over again as a Shakespeare scholar is that a lot of times Shakespeare can be great training for any kind of acting that you want to do. A lot of great actors got their start in Shakespeare companies, that if you're an actor, knowing how to speak Shakespeare <laughs> is going to really be able to help you um, along the way in any role that you're interested in. And so I, I think that something like this would actually be a great way for students who are interested in theater to break down those barriers a little bit and start to feel more comfortable with the language and start to realize that a lot of the time it's not pretentious at all. A lot of the time it's a bunch of dirty jokes or people getting drunk on a boat. And you can have fun with that and not see it as something that isn't in your realm of theater. I think also along the same notes of theater but a different form of accessibility is sometimes when adaptations are put forth in film or tv more people get access to it just in general i mean covid not considering right now really not many people are going to plays at all but sometimes people don't have that access to be able to go to plays or do those things so to be able to watch it maybe in the comfort of your own home or streaming service whatever it may be i think that adds a certain thing to it because you can kind of just take it in while you're just interacting with just that. And I think there's some value to that as well. Well, and I think when we expand to different mediums, it also like allows more people to feel like they can interact with it. Like, so if you have like web series, like there's a very like low cost of like actually entering into the field, like you don't have to have like a movie theater budget. So virtually anyone could adapt Shakespeare if they wanted to. And then anyone, if they have a Wi-Fi connection, can watch it. So like, it's not like you don't have to have the budget to go to a play or go to like a theater or a movie. If you can connect to the internet, Shakespeare's for you. And right now there are actually a lot of really innovative productions that are coming through during the pandemic because a lot of theaters are struggling right now and really trying to figure out how to survive and speak to a larger audience while they're closed. And so you get really innovative things like um, the National Theater at Home that um, all of last summer the National Theatre in England would showcase a new play from their recorded library each week. And I would just sit with my roommate and watch them. Um, and the Royal Shakespeare Company right now, I think they still have a few performances left, is running um, a play that is an adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream. It's only about 40 minutes long. And essentially the whole thing is done through um, animation and, and um, virtual performance where they have actors who are in motion capture suits 
portraying different fairies um, and spirits of the forest in the middle of a, of a scary storm in the forest. And it's all lines that have been recycled and changed from Midsummer Night's Dream and the characters are from Midsummer Night's Dream. But the plot has changed and the audience can interact by putting fireflies into um, the space and following along. Um, and so I've seen it twice now because it only cost 10 pounds and it was a lot of fun. And the second time was actually right before one of my Zoom classes was scheduled to start. And there was still a couple minutes left as I was opening up the room to students. And so I just turned it on so that my students as they were filing into the classroom could see the, the rest of the performance in case they wanted to see it. And the students in that class got really curious and started asking me a lot of questions about it. And that wasn't a Shakespeare class. Uh, but they all found it really interesting what I was watching and they, they wanted to know more about it. So I think it's, it's a good time for someone who might not even think that they're into theater to try to check out some of these things. A lot of them are low cost or no cost and easy to stream. I think because everything's now so easy to access when it comes to like these adaptations that it really opens the door for education as well. Like you've got like students who maybe don't have the chance to be in like to go to college or go to these bigger classes because there's the stereotype that Shakespeare's reserved for those elite those prestige because they it's very it's very uh pretentious like it's the that stereotype around it um but having these adaptations where they're talking directly to kids or directly to teens or directly to everybody in ways that aren't as shrouded um, and the idea of like, you can only do that if you get a PhD in this. Um, it really opens doors so that everybody has the chance to get an education. Everyone has the chance to learn um, and find things that they're interested in. Um, yeah. I really like that point, Natalie, because I think it breaks down a lot of barriers having access to those things. Because I even know a lot of people that just in the Shakespeare class were like, I didn't think I was that into Shakespeare, but then we started looking at things this way and looking at these adaptations and it opens up a lot of doors when you break out of the way you traditionally view things. And I think adaptations bring a lot of that value. Like you're saying, Natalie, where you can have that education, you can have that access to it without having to know all these specific aspects of Shakespeare or whatever it may be. So I think that's really important. Um, I also just kind of want to, I'm curious about what y'all think some of those lasting themes within Shakespeare are that make us want to continue reading it. Because obviously we've been talking about how we can apply these themes to different people, allow them to see it. But what are some of those ones that you think are important to you or important to young people as we continue to make teen adaptations? Besides just the fun, dirty jokes and drunk jokes that you might get across it. Well, again, it's it's a little bit like you took these questions and deliberately designed them to advertise my classes, uh, because the the Shakespeare, the lower level Shakespeare class, um, is now in the core at Georgia College. That you can now take uh, that to fill your C two requirement, and the category of C two uh, is arts and the human experience. <laughs> And it's very much how I frame that class, is that I choose a couple of enduring themes uh, and ideas that sort of define human experience uh, and are also prevalent in a few of the Shakespeare plays, two or three that I'll, I'll group together. And so I look at things um, like relationships between parents and children. I look at things uh, like 
love, gender, power, uh, theater, and we analyze how those plays can uh, relate to those particular aspects of human experience. Yeah, I think along those lines, there's so many different plays just within that within Shakespeare's realm that you can apply so many different theories to it. And I think that's one of the fun things because I think a lot of people, especially as an English major, you have specific theories that maybe hold close to your heart or you just view the world through. Like I know I tend to do like feminist and queer lens and things like that. And so you have those realm of possibilities and realm of themes where you can really dive into whichever theory you really enjoy or post-colonial or Marxism. So I think there's a lot of opportunity along those same lines for that large idea of themes. And I like that Shakespeare is added to the core. I really am just promoing for all of Dr. Flaherty's classes. <laughs> Registration's next week, get on it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Plus I have a summer Shakespeare on film class. So if your next question could hit that, that would be great. All right, so I don't wanna keep you all too long. I know your time is precious, especially um, in the COVID world. So if there's anything else y'all really wanna say about adaptations, or maybe there is a class or club meeting that you really wanna promo, you can go ahead and do that now. Whatever you'd like to say, you can say at this moment. And I've talked a lot. So if there's someone else who wanted to get a word in edgewise, this would be a great moment to speak up because I'll just be very quiet from here on out. Uh, we'd absolutely love to have you or anyone who would like to join Shakespearean Circle. We meet on WebEx at 6.30s. 6.30, not 6.30. Um, it's a lot of fun. Again, I think it can be a little bit daunting because Shakespeare does have like the notion of being a little pretentious, but we're very casual. Uh, you get good skills at reading and the more you interact with the material, the more comfortable you get with it. Uh, we'd love to have anyone that would like to join. And that's my piece. We're reading A Love's Labor's Lost next. You should join us. Also, next meeting, Dr. Flaherty briefly mentioned this, but we are going to be looking at some adaptations. Uh, so we're finishing up Much Ado About Nothing, and then Dr. Flaherty is going to bring scenes from adaptations for us to look at. So if you want more on adaptation, show up to that meeting. It will be a lot of fun. It's almost like this podcast is really well tailored for this group. <laughs> All right. So on that note, then, thank y'all again for joining us. It was a lot of fun. I think it's so fun when we could talk to other groups and clubs on campus about their passions, the thing they enjoy. Again, make sure you're following Peacock Suite at GC Peacock Suite. We're still taking applications for the Literary Journal. Make sure you're following Shakespearean Circle, gcsu.shakespearean.circle on Instagram. Or like they said, you can email them if you want to be a part of it. Maybe like Ellen was saying, you're a theater major and you really want to just practice some of these things. Definitely do it. It's open for everyone and a lot of fun opportunities with that. So thank you so much for listening.